Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, a lot of chatter and clamor, of course, around President Biden's uh, issuance yesterday. Order to forgive or cancel uh, a host of student loans. The, the bigger question for me is, does the president really have the power to do that? Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi doesn't think so, or at least didn't think so a year ago. People think that the president of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would has to be an act of Congress. So that was uh, Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, uh, saying that, no, the president doesn't have power uh, for debt forgiveness. He can postpone, he can delay, but he doesn't have that power. That would require an act of Congress. Well, now we know that the president has done this by uh, an executive declaration, an executive order. And I want to go beyond just the political chatter of it all, uh, because that that part's predictable. But I want to actually look at are there actual pieces of legislation? Are there actual bills? Are there things that Congress is doing or can do or should do uh, to deal not just with the, the debt itself, but we've got to look at higher education as a whole? And to help us do that, Dan, we're glad you're with us from uh, looking at what is out there uh, in terms of things uh, that are actually being done in Congress or could be done in Congress in terms of bills uh, to address student loan, student loan integrity. Yeah, there is a bill out there, the Federal Student Loan Integrity Act, that is bopping around Congress right now and unfortunately is getting no no traction with a Democrat majority. But what this bill would do is it would make clear exactly what Speaker Pelosi said last year in the audio clip that you said, that the Department of Education cannot do this unilaterally and cannot use the coronavirus pandemic as justification to satisfy like, pre-existing political agenda items. You can go back years before the pandemic and people in Congress were talking about student loan debt forgiveness. This is not a creature of the pandemic. It's something that's been going on, been t- discussed in leftist circles. And now you saw it with the delay, the uh, repayment moratorium, and now you're seeing it again with this $10,000 per head forgiveness. And the Federal Student Loan Integrity Act would make it clear that an act of Congress is required for any further delays, for any further forgiveness. And unfortunately, the administration is not looking to take up bills like this and look to Congress, which was their position last year, but instead wanted to do it by executive fiat. Yeah, and, and that's where it uh, is a struggle for me when the politics become convenient. And again, Republicans and Democrats alike have been guilty of this over the years. So we don't need to have that debate 
we'll we'll throw everybody under the bus today. Uh, when it comes to spending, uh, there's not been very many people willing to say no or apply the break or be the adult in the room. Uh, and so now when we look at things like this, uh, again, where uh, just a year ago, Speaker Pelosi was saying, look, the, the president just does not have this power under the Constitution. Uh, and now the president's saying, well, unless somebody files a lawsuit, uh, I'm, I'm going to do this uh, from the executive branch. And I am going to bypass uh, Congress once again. Yeah, it's 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 another example of the type of cynicism you see in Washington. And I'm sure you've talked about this prior and we'll talk about it again. But the justification, the authority that the Biden administration, quote unquote, found in order to do this actually comes from a bill called the Heroes Act, which was passed in 2003 as a response to the war in the Middle East and first responders on 9-11 saying that there could be debt forgiveness for victims of a national emergency uh, or for military servicemen and women. And again, this is why the Federal Student Loan Integrity Act is important because the Department of Education went and said, well, COVID is a national emergency. And one could say that these students who have student loan debt are victims of that national emergency. So we're going to use the HEROES Act of 2003 authority to forgive student loan debt. Mm. And there are a few other bills uh, that were introduced over the course of the last year. We know Utah Senator Mitt Romney had the Student Loan Accountability Act, kind of along a similar line in terms of who can take action there. Uh, Anything in that particular bill, or I know there are a couple of others, one from Senator Whitehouse, another from Representative Jeffries that uh, may have some important components in them that maybe eventually we can get around to to getting passed. It's going to be very tough, especially now that the genie's been let out of the bottle and especially as close as it is to November. uh, One of the things that Congress is actually good at is delegating its constitutional authority to the president because they like to take credit for the effect but not actually bear any of the responsibility. And you've seen it over time, and it gets progressively worse, where more power is vested in the executive branch. So while all the the pieces of legislation you've cited have their little different variations, and they might be coming from folks who are ideologically different, opening up some potentially bipartisan discourse, but once you've demonstrated you can do something like this from the executive branch. It creates an effective foil for the Republican Party to campaign against. And Democrats in Congress no longer feel like they have to worry about it because they realize an executive order is always going to be so much easier and less time consuming Mm. than an actual legislative fight. Yeah, always, always easier to come up with a really nice name for it and let it be done by executive order. And and then when people complain, uh, you say, hey, you know, I just, I just voted for the nice name, <laughs> not for the didn't actually take the action on it. And uh, that becomes such a challenge. And then, of course, everything ends up in the courts as well uh, as a as a natural byproduct of that. And then we wonder why the Supreme Court has become so political in terms of those nominations. Uh, often it's because of that abdication of power from Congress, that taking of power by the executive branch. And then once that happens, someone's going to file a law- lawsuit that's going to work its way through the courts. Uh, Dan Savickas, the uh, director of tech policy of the Taxpayer Protection Alliance. Dan, thanks for jumping on uh, and for assuming several aliases as we went through the program. (laughs) (laughs) 
I appreciate the time, boy. Thanks for having me. All right. Great insight, Dan. Appreciate you being on with us. All right. We're going to step aside uh, for a question, but that's a really important one. Who has authority? Process matters. Process matters. Uh, you got to get to that. Stick around. We'll be right back. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.